Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind, where we'll be going over some of the forgotten and unforgettable moments to have ever taken place in the ring. I'm Kevin Byrne, and on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Irish featherweight champion Eric Donovan and by former heavyweight contender Peter McNeely, all the way from Boston. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Peter, just before we came on air there, you were telling us about some of your sparring with uh, the Celtic warrior Steve Collins when he began his career over oh. in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. Yeah, Steve fought most of his early career out of Brockton, Massachusetts. And Steve was living in Dorchester, which is right in Boston. And uh, and I was I was training and sparring like five nights a week at the Petronelli Gym in Brockton. The home of marvelous Marvin Hagler. Did Steve Collins, Peter, Eric Donovan here, Irish featherweight champion, Did P- wh- what was it like moving around with Steve Collins? Did he bring you on? Did you improve from that? Oh, yes, yes. Be- because you would have had a lot of weight on him as well. You would have had a lot of, you would have, you certainly would have had a, a good two pounds on him. At, d- at that time, Steve was, Steve would walk around it. 168, 170 pounds, and you train down to 160 pounds. And I, at that time, I was just a cruiserweight. I was 195 pounds. We met in the I believe he could punch, though. He could punch, yeah? Cause he, he could do it. He could do it all. He could box. He could punch. And he had a granite chin. I'd say he still does as well, uh, and he was an amateur heavyweight as well, wasn't he, Steve Collins? So yeah, would have been, he was a, he had a big frame, big guy. Like I always say, he was an old little kid. So Peter, I hope you're keeping well during the lockdown. Um, we welcome you onto the show today to talk about uh, Fight Build. He's back, which was held on August nineteenth, August nineteenth, nineteen ninety five, at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Uh, Iron Mike. Yes, Tyson. sir. Iron Mike Tyson had served three years in jail for rape. Um, 
and you were plucked to be his uh, to be his comeback opponent. There had been talk of maybe a fight with lineal champion George Foreman straight out of the clink, but no, the you had a deal going on with Don King, and you got the call. Yes, sir. Now I'm going to show you a picture. Watch. Can you see that? Oh, brilliant picture. It's a it's a picture of you t putting Mike Tyson to the corner and uh, launching yes. a left hook at him, and he's defending himself with yes. his right hand. And uh, now, now we go over here, and this is a collage. So we're getting a tour now of Peter's uh, gaff, and. Yeah, he's shaping up. Oh, he's connecting with Tyson with a right hand there. And, yeah, holding his arms aloft prior to the fight, maybe at the weigh-in as well. So it's a fight that you were prim primed and ready for. Highly anticipated. The fight was an overwhelming financial success. Gained massive numbers in pay-per-view. At, at that time, it broke all pay-per-view records worldwide. Mm. Um, and you know what? I'm man enough. I am man enough today to admit that I, Mike Tyson was was the star of the show. I was just a co-star. <laughs> I tell you what, though. I tell you what, though, Peter. Um, I think you played your part in building up that fight and selling that fight. I thought your interviews were absolutely brilliant. I thought they were en so entertaining. Um, there's no doubt about it. It was a, a massive grossing fight. I think it grossed $96 million or something like that, uh, which is just, you, you know, back then, 1995, was humongous. I was 10 years old. Um, I was probably only becoming aware of Mike Tyson. I was starting out in the boxing world myself, young amateur. Um, I was destined for big things in the amateur game. Um, but that fight missed me around that time. But looking back on it and looking back at, you know, your build-up and the interviews that you did, I thought you were, I, I thought you really, really sold yourself well and sold the fight well. Um, obviously it didn't work out in your favor. But I mean, take tell me about how do you even prepare for someone like Mike Tyson? Like from the time that your manager says, look. You're going to box Mike Tyson. What do you do? How long is your training camp? Who do you bring in for sparring partners? Do you even say yes immediately? Or what? T tell me about it. Well, we, well, we signed the contract to fight. Let's say it was the first week of May. So that game, Mike got out in late February or March. March 1st. So Mike needed time to get into train and get in shape and, and whatever. But uh, we 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 had we we had a, a you know I was I was in the best shape of my life for that fight. Um, we had a training camp. In the middle of July, in Lafayette, Louisiana, that's like as, as deep south of the United States as you could go. It was 99 yeah. degrees, 99% humidity. It was hot. And video, you know, it's sad, sad, but life does this. 
My father was in my corner for 98% of all my fights with Vinny and my assistant trainer and cut man, Cliff Fippin. But today, the two biggest male figures in my life are gone. Vinny passed away first in 2009 from a massive heart attack. And then my father died in 2000, like two and a half years later in 2011. So, but you know what? I'm, you know, I'm very, very grateful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for, for putting my father in my life. I was lucky to have him as long as I had him. And, of course, I was lucky to be with Vinnie Vecchioni for 20 years. Um, I, I've got a lot in my life to be grateful for. It seems like you're content with your boxing career and the people that, you know, that your career has has afforded you the opportunity to work with like Vinny, uh, your manager Vinny and, and then your dad obviously being a you know a legend himself in the boxing ring but um, you know some people get to the end of their career and they're you know they have some regrets and they you know they wish they'd done things a little bit differently or whatever but how do you feel like you seem to be looking back with a lot of gratitude and you seem pretty content I you know I will be 52 years old this October 6th. And, you know, I've got no regrets. Um, uh, no regrets. There's nothing I could have done. You know, actually, you know, there, was, there was things that I could have done better, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, I believe in reality. Uh, what if, what if, what if nothing, it didn't happen that way? Yeah. In the summer of 1995, Mike Tyson is a very real menace. Uh, he's a he's a dangerous character, one of the most, one of the baddest men on the planet, self-styled. Was it in, were you intimidated? <laughs> After you signed, were you ever scared? Um, uh, you know what, it didn't matter, it did not matter. If I was fighting whoever, I was always, I always had fear, but we, we call that competitive fear. Mm. You know, it's that competitive fear that makes you do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Go forward. Go, go forward. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of pre-publicity. Uh, can you tell us what some of that was like when you came face to face with Mike Tyson? Well, you know, before the fight, Mike Tyson said, "No, Mike was a little, you know, Mike had just got out of jail, and he only said he was going to do four interviews." So John King. And the rest of the promotional team under him 
had to go somewhere, so it went to me. And uh, the, the joke, one of the jokes was, Peter, big deal, he did the most amount of interviews in the shortest amount of time. I did, I did the whole gamut. Uh, here in the USA, I was on David Letterman. I was on Jay Leno. And I was on Larry King Live with Don King. So, you know, in the 90s, those were the three biggest late-night TV shows. And, you know, I, I, I got nothing to complain about. I had 54 pro fights. Now, people do not know this. Now, I want you to listen to this. To get to Mike Tyson, we had 38 pro fights in 44 months. That's, that's almost like if you were to figure that out, be, it would be a fight every five weeks for less than four years. Yeah, it's a crazy, um, a crazy amount of, of, of fighting. And, you know, you're talking as well about <clears throat> even when you, you had that big fight for the, the, the area, was it the area, the NABA area title? Um, the one that you got cut, you know, the stitches. Um, you didn't really uh, recover well, at all. That was, yeah, that was what they call New England. And the New England, yeah. Band, yeah. Which, is, which is, you know, hey, whatever. But the guy, the one loss, I should have been 38-0. But that guy hit me, constantly was hitting me with his with the heel, with the heel, mm. the yeah. lace with the heel, and my cut, my my eye got cut bad, and yeah. and it happened in like the fifth round, the sixth round. But I was way ahead when they stopped the fight in the eighth round. I was ahead on all three cards, seven rounds to nothing. Or six rounds to one. Mm. And, you know, hey, things happen. And and this is how a, a real boxer perseveres through that. We were back fighting in a ring in six weeks. There was still a scab on the cut. That's right. You're talking about real boxers. Your father was a real boxer. He, he had countless fights, and he fought Floyd Patterson uh, in, a, in a barn Look burner. Dad fought Floyd Patterson for the heavyweight championship of the world. But Dad also fought two other world champions, Willie Pastrano, light heavyweight champion of the world, and Jose Torres. Light heavyweight champion world. They both stepped up to try and use my father as a stepping stone for them to go to heavyweight. They both went 10 rounds. 
And let's just put it this way. After those 10 rounds of Tom McNeely Jr., they did not think they even think about trying to fight a heavyweight again. <laughs> did he have any special words of advice for you when you were taking on Mike Tyson in the summer of 95, considering all he'd been through? You know what? Uh, it's funny you ask that because it didn't matter. I only, I only had 21 amateur fights. Mike Tyson had 140 amateur fights. Mm. Riddick Bowe had 225 amateur fights. Oscar De La Laia had 350 amateur fights. I only had 21 while I was going to college full time and living in the dorms at Bridgewater State College. And any, anybody that was my roommate back then, oh, they couldn't stand the smell of my boxing equipment. <laughs> but, but my father always win, lose, or draw. My father would hug me and say, Peter, I'm proud of you. There's a lot of kids in America. I don't know, I can't speak for your countries, but there's a lot of kids in America today that do not have, do not see their father or do not have a father and a mother. So, you know what? Yeah. I was very, very lucky. My mom is still going. I talked to her earlier today, and she was tougher than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and mom, my mother, Nancy, Nancy McNeely, she went through my father's career and my whole career. So she she deserves a medal. Yeah, she's seen it all. Boxing moms, eh, Eric? You know the crack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah like, similar kind of story to yourself. My mother and father separated when I was only a kid, you know. Um, and uh, but I never got to see my dad. I think you got to see your dad on a regular basis. Oh, um, I, I my dad moved to like a, my dad moved there. to a different country. Where did your father go? Well, my dad moved to England, and I'm obviously living in gotcha. Ireland and from Ireland, yeah. So I got to see my dad. Like, my dad later on in my life has, has become very, like, very involved in my life. He's a big supporter of my boxing career, but i never seen him from – the first time i seen him, I was seven years old, and when they separated, I was six months old, you know, so – uh, it was a huge, uh, huge chunk. But I'm just saying, there's a, a similarities with you, and also in yes, the, yeah. in the, in the, in the, in what would you call it? The, the, in the hard knocks of life as well. I've, I, I think I have, uh, I think I can identify with you. I think we both have uh, overcome, uh, our faced our demons, and um, have had experiences um, outside of the ring as well. Sometimes I often say to people, put me in the ring and I'll stand with anybody, world, Olympic, European champions. Put me, went, take me outside of the ring and then I'm like a, a fish out of water. And, you know, that's where I was uncomfortable. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, I say it. When, when you're when I'm in a boxing gym, I feel like I'm at home. Yeah, yeah, me too. I find solace in the gym. It's, but tell me now, how are you doing now on a personal level? Are you is the head good? Are you are you are you looking after yourself? And tell me how you've overcome. Tell me how you have overcome it. You know, if 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 things are going really well for you. I, uh, my father had problems with drinking. And my father was the first one to help, try to help me. And through a lot of you know, trials and tribulations, um, I, I tried and I tried, but I would always fall off and drink. Yeah. And drank and drunk. But today, I've been years, I'll be four years, no drink, no drugs. Uh, November 1, it'll be four years. Brilliant, man. Excellent, and, fantastic. And, you know, with all I learned from many, many AA meetings, Many, many rehabs. Um, yeah. You know what? Today, or, or four years, almost four years ago, I did it all on my own this time. All on my own. No, no That's reason. amazing. You know, I'm in, I'm in recovery myself, and you know, life is wonderful. Um, uh, and I think it's a. Uh, it's amazing to see that you, you, you know, that you are uh, living a good life today. Because look, hey, not everybody makes it. Not everybody gets it. And you know, so you are a, you are a lucky man. But I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated with the, with, 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 with the experience you've had when you boxed Mike Tyson. I, I, I want to know what it's, what, what was going through your mind when you're in the dressing room because you seemed a little bit psyched up who was who was talking to you who was have you got had you got good mental you seemed you came across as a person with very good self-belief and mental input i mean you did this you did an interview just before you hopped into the ring and you actually looked like you were psyched up you were so psyched up Tell me what's going on, and tell me about your tactics and strategy. Who gave you the tactics? Because you seem to just really throw the kitchen sink at Mike Tyson uh, without um, without even thinking. My my thinking was all me. Nobody told me. I, my thinking was that Mike has been out almost four years, so. <clears throat> Yeah. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna jump on him and try and take advantage of that. Maybe maybe he forgot things. Maybe he didn't want it anymore. I don't know. But um, and also I said to myself, I'm only getting this shot once. I'm making the best of it. I'm making yeah. the best. Of it. How did it feel 
when you were down after, in the first 10 seconds or so, you jumped up and you ran around the ring, very animated. But did you think to yourself? A lot, a lot of people thought it was a, 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 a push or whatever. But I have a film. I have a D, now it's a DVD. But I, but. He actually, he was so fast that, at, see, at the lane, many hours before, the day before, um, I was 224 pounds, he was 220 pounds, but they reweighed us one hour before the fight. We both lost four pounds. So Mike Tyson at 216 pounds is what? All speed. All speed. All speed. Yeah. Speed with power is a bad combination. But that first punch that, that I went down, I was off balance. I was terribly yeah, was off square. balance. And I was exactly, I was square, I was a bull stance. But he caught me a good straight right. People didn't even see it. And because he's that fast, he caught me a great straight right. I went down, I was back up before Mills Lane even started a count. And, you know, and Mike Tyson, history, his, his history of his career proves that if when Mike Tyson goes to the uppercut, which was always his best punch, that uppercut, he yeah. dropped Buster Douglas in that same uppercut before losing the fight. But he caught me with that uppercut point blank on the chip. And what people also don't understand is when I went down, I went down on my face at, at the first moment, like getting my hands up to keep my face from hitting the canvas. And I got up like the count of six or seven. And I was, you know, I was confused. He caught me. He, he caught me, right? His best punch. And when Vinny Vecchione jumped into the ring and pushed me towards the corner, I thought, oh, the round's over, and he's going to sit me on the stool. But a minute 29, 89 seconds, a minute 29, Sounds longer when I say a minute 29 than when I say 89 seconds. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he pushed me over. I thought the round was over. I didn't know he was jumping in. And that shows you that something was wrong up here. That I was um, a little out of it. Even though I was on my feet. I was a little out of it. So 
No, you can say, people can say, oh, what if this or what if that? But what if nothing? That's not the way it happened. Because you watch the fight back and you can hear the fight doctor on commentary and he's saying, um, oh, you know, uh, he says you didn't quit, uh, you, you didn't get started, you, you didn't get started. He's unhappy with your team for pulling you out. But I saw interviews with you afterwards saying um, you look like you had a glazed look in your eyes and you could see looking at yourself retrospectively that you look concussed and you, you tell us that you're... Yeah, I like that. Concussed. <laughs> mystery, or how did you call it? What's your name for it? Hey, I'm going with yours. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. Concussed. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What was what was like? What if? What if? What if nothing? That's not the way it happened. Peter, what kind of a guy was Mike Dyson like afterwards? What did you speak with him? Did you have a chat? Did you have a drink together? I have it on on DVD of him talking to me afterwards. You know what, Mike and I have had. I had a meeting with him in Boston in uh, September of 1998. Um, he called, he came to Boston, and a friend of a friend, you know, was his limo driver. And next thing I know, he got my phone number and he called me. You know what? Mm. Listen, Mike, nice. and and then next thing I know, I was in his hotel room with him. <laughs> he did not have to call me. He did not <laughs> have to uh, let me into his hotel room. Yeah. You know, and and you know, Mike was going through a lot in his life at that point. So, but then years later. In 07, Mike Tyson got my phone number and called me. And we, were, we talked on the phone, you know, every so often for three months. For three months. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter if I called him or he called me every time. Every time my first words out of Mike Tyson's mouth were, Peter, how's your father? Yeah, nice. Do you know why? Yeah. You want to know why? Because Floyd Patterson was trained and managed by Costamato. That's right. And, and Jose Torres, who my father went 10 rounds with, was trained 
by Castellano. Yeah. So we we had that family connection. Yeah. It's a boxer's thing, though, as well, isn't it? That's why I was laughing, and excuse me for it. I was just, it's because it reaffirms the age-old story. We get in the ring, we want to take each other's heads off, but yet, when we're rolling through town of a, of a former opponent or whatever, we decide to, p- you know, pick up the phone, and I wonder how my old foe is getting on. You know, it's a, it's a lovely, uh, it's, it's, it's unusual. It's unique to boxing. It's special. The toughest fight of my whole career was in Sarasota, Florida, against a guy named Butch Kelly. And Butch knew that I was undefeated. And Butch's record was not great. But Butch was a sparring partner for big for big name eh? Axel Schultz, um, James Tony. I mean, this guy... This guy was tough. So, and I, and I caught Butch after a training camp. He was in great shape. So we went eight rounds toe-to-toe. And um, I only won. I only beat him because I knocked him down once. So I got the extra point. So that got me the decision. That's how close that fight was. Yeah. And that was year, two years before time. And then, and then Butch Kelly got my, got my phone number, called me, and we, he came down to Medfield, where, where I lived for most of my life. And he hung out with me. For, for, for days, for like uh, about three days. And then he came back down um, a couple months later. He was training a fighter, and I ended up sparring with his fighter. And, you know, and again, and like you said, we, 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 we you know, I'll, I'll say how it really is. When you're in that ring, you want to kill the guy mm. with your punches. But, but, afterwards, mutual respect mm. and sometimes turns into <clears throat> friendship. Yeah. It's a bond. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk at the minute, Peter, about um, Mike Tyson making some sort of a comeback. I saw a joking video, I hope, from yourself saying you, you want to wrap him in a cocoon of horror again. Um, but do you, do you think he should just leave up the gloves and uh, let it go? You guys have had your time. Or how do you feel about it? Well, the way I feel is this. Now, now let's, let's just look at the big picture. Now, Evander Holyfield beat Tyson two fights in a row. But for Mike Tyson is such an icon that we gotta we gotta remember what did Mike Tyson say? Mike all Mike Tyson said was, "I'm I want I would like to do 
three or four rounds of boxing for charity. Hmm. And and obviously that would be um, against a opponent or sparring partner of his choice. Next thing you know, it's uh, he's fighting Holyfield again. Uh, then then Shannon Briggs wants to fight him in a bad uncle fight. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. And like uh, like my my good friend and former sparring partner, Mike Colbert, who's originally from Ireland. He was born in Ireland. He's a, he's been on the show. He was on the show with us a few weeks back talking about Roberto Duran. Exactly. Yeah. I call him Cubby. Cubby. You know, Cubby's awesome. One of my one of one of a very a very very good friend. And both me and my both me and my comment said the whole thing of Mike Tyson it took on a life of its own. Hmm. Yeah. Got a life of its own. What before, he said. Before we go, Peter, I've just um I've one last question for myself. Um, who do you think is the best heavyweight in the world currently and would prime Mike Tyson? Uh, beat whoever that person is. Alright, now I I I love both uh Tyson Fury and Gilante Wilder. But now that first fight, you know that first fight was awesome. Um and and whether Deontay Wilder's a good boxer or a bad boxer. He's got dynamite in that right hand of his. Hmm. And he put he, he put Fury down twice. <laughs> now, that all being said, the second fight, when you see the guy bleeding in his beard, you see blood in his beard. There was no cut over his eye. There was no cut on his ear. He got his eardrum ruptured. And I, twice, that happened to me twice in my career. But mine wasn't as bad. But when you bleed out of your ear, that means the eardrum was punctured or blown out. Mm. And I'm not a doctor, but your eardrum, eyes, ears, nose, throat are all connected. And when your eardrum is is messed with, it affects what? Your balance. It sure does. And I, I said... There were two people watching a fight with me. Guys, when I saw the blood in his beard, I said, it's only a matter of time now. Deontay loses lots of fight. They, they never boxed before, so they did not understand. But I knew what was going on. 
I said it's only a matter of time. John Tawana cannot cannot win this fight. But bring on fight number three. Yes, yes, yes. We can't wait bring for it. Bring on fight number three. I'm interested to know what does Peter uh, McNeely do with his time today. Before we let you go, it's been an absolute pleasure yes. talking to you. But what do you do? What do you do with yourself today? Well, I, I, I have, I met a woman. I, Whoa. I never been married. I've never been married in my life. I got married, married, and ah. Uh, this September will be four years um, that I've been married. Congratulations. Um, Fantastic. Lucky woman. Uh, my, my woman's 100% Italian. Her parents came off the boat from Italy. She speaks, she speaks full Italian, but everybody thinks she's Irish. <laughs> oh, <well. laughs> oh, but she speaks. She, she's bilingual. Now, my wife, I love her. She's awesome. But, but I also have become a big part of a local boxing gym where I live. In Lawrence, Massachusetts, it's a real old school boxing gym. Brilliant. And it's called it's called nine nine seven eight intense with a Z, not intense, intense. And it's a great gym, great guys there. And you know what? In America. There's a big racial divide now because of the uh, the Floyd murder by the police. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Black, white, Hispanic, Cambodian. There's the you know the, the, these kids and men at this gym are awesome, and I love them all. Um, I have countless friends that I've made in life and in the boxing world that are black, white, Hispanic, and you know what? I love them all. I'm glad to hear that you're in the boxing gym. Really am, Peter, and uh, I think it's a good place. I think it's a good place for you. You have a lot to offer. You might recognize this. I spread my experience, my strength, and my hope in the fight game and what not to do out of the ring. Don't drink, don't drug. It's stay in the boxing gym. A man of wisdom. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pop down to your gym the next time I'm in Massachusetts if I'm over there or close by, and I get a bit of sparring going or something, so it'd be great to pop in and say hello. We would love to have you, champ. Thank you. Yeah, and on that note, lads, I want to thank you very much, Peter McNeely, for joining us on Rocky Road Rewind. And Eric Donovan, great to have you on board as well. Thank you, guys.
Peter McNeely at the start of each fight watches the timekeeper and tries to get a jump on his opponent, pouncing on top of him with a swarming style. Will he go to that approach against Mike Tyson? In Tyson's return, he plans to go straight ahead, but with elusiveness, something he got away from prior to prison. Customato once told him, your greatest asset can become your greatest weakness. So he's been working a great deal on his movement the past few months, and here we go! And McNeely...